This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Yo, what up, though? This is Esham, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Yo, what up, though, man? This is Big Greg, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. This is Premier Pete, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Chill. Oh, yeah, this is Jake Prince coming at you live and in living color. And you're rocking with the Connect experience. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's comedian TK Kirkland, aka T to the motherfucking K. And when I'm in Detroit, you already know what it is. I listen to the Connected experience. You should too. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Hey, bro, what's the Connected Experience? The Connected Experience, man, it's the lifestyle. It's our lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's events. It's podcasts. It's just connecting people on a different level to get them to a different a different place in their life. So no matter where it's at, we just want people to do better, and we do that through connections. Yeah, yeah. So what you been up to? Man, you know the same old thing. I told you uh, I'm getting ready to retire and step into yeah, the new yeah, realm. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I'm going to take this really serious. But I ain't gonna make take the fun out of it. Uh, right, going right, to the right. next level. You know what I mean. So, what's your tagline and what's your name? Uh, yeah, you know, cause what we talking about is I'm gonna go pro bowling, right? And my name is gonna be AJ Lord of the Lanes Jackson, which is LOL. And I'm gonna tell them niggas, but this ain't no joke. You know you what, what I'm saying? You ready? Yeah. yeah. So Jay Johnson had discovered that Lord of Lanes was LOL. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Shit ain't no Shout joke. Shout out to Jay Johnson. Yeah, Lord of the Lanes, but this shit ain't no joke. So what's up? You got a term? Yeah, I got a term, man. My term is chances, man. So chance is the absence of any cause of events that can be predicted, understood, or controlled, often personified or treated as a positive agency. But it got a lot of uh, meetings, so I'm gonna go to another one, right? Uh, opportunity or favorable time opportunity is now your chance right right or a possibility or probability of anything happening a 50 50 chance right right and chance to make champions everybody know that so my term is incarceration and uh incarceration is the act of incarcerating or putting one in prison or uh, any enclosure. Now, why was them them terms? Well, them them terms because, you know, what we like to do, man, we like to do a life after felonies. And, of course, we former felons, and we know a lot of former felons, and we like to get them the opportunity to tell their story and tell how they go change and make a positive thing out of what they did negatively. And today we got... I consider them family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, my yeah. auntie and his sister used to be best friends. I bet you ain't know they was on the girls' football team at Taylor Center, did you? No, I ain't yeah. know. Go ask Tila. Her and my auntie was on yeah, the girls' yeah. football team, Powder Puff football. And uh we 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 older than him, but we grew up in the same era. And he was incarcerated, but he living his life after felonies. We got my homeboy Dougie Little with. Go on here and introduce yourself. Yo, Doug, Dougie Fresh, man. <laughs> fresh from the bricks, man, you know. Um, Doug Little, yeah. So I'm here with the twins, man, and you know it's an honor for me to come out and give my story after um after doing a long stint of incarceration, um, 12 to 20 years on a murder charge, and um it was a long ride, you know, and <clears throat> we go get into that. So um, you said you did 12 to 20 before we even catch up, and you know, because we this is the first time we've seen you since you've been home, you know. What I'm yeah, saying? So, and we kind of wanted it like that because we wanted you to be able to tell your story because no matter 
what your story is, it's going to impact somebody in the positive light. You feel what I'm saying? Because it's brothers everywhere who just getting out of jail trying to get it right. The brother who recording us, when he first came on, we did an episode with him because he living his life after felonies. Yo, bro, jump on the mic. Tell your story. Somebody go here. You feel what I'm saying? That's I insane. asked him today, how you doing? I'm getting there. I got two jobs. Because niggas think just because you got a felony, you can't get no job nothing. This brother been home, he got two. My home girl, she living her life after felonies. She come home, she got two jobs. I hired her when I was in a position and didn't even know she was a felon because th- that don't matter to me. You feel what I'm saying? What type of person are you? What type of hop- what type of vibe we go have? And then we was talking, and I told her my birthday, and she was like, "Oh, your birthday May 22nd, May 23rd. I'd be at the penitentiary for a year." I said, "I just met you." June 1st last year <laughs> you feel what I'm saying she's like yeah I just got out of jail I appreciate you giving me the opportunity right. giving right. me a chance you feel what right. I'm saying so a lot of things that a lot of people want to know is like how prison is and all of that but just explain your first night in prison after you got your sentence like you know I'm I'm in jail like so explain your first night and be honest as you possibly can about it well to be quite honest um I was in Jackson quarantine and um, Jackson, Michigan, and um, you know, and there's 23 and one man. It, it it's no yard time. You know, it's real hard. It's real hard jelling. You know, so for me, being that young, I was 19 years old when I called my case. Right, you right. Know, I just had about to go to college. So, well, going in there at, at, at that type of age, it was a mental challenge uh, for me, not being able to uh, get out and about and be active, being locked in 23 hours in a day. Um, it was a mental challenge, and that's what the fight was, having to be able to um, sustain mentally. Um, and there were grown men like that and, like, having a whole foreign environment where you don't know anyone um, and you just you just locked up like that. Yeah, like you, you really feel like an alien. Like, yeah. I'm in quarantine, so I don't even know if it's other niggas from my city in here. You feel what I'm right. saying? And it's 23 and 1. So how did you get over that mental challenge? Because how long were you in quarantine? I stayed in quarantine for about two months. So I, I jailed in there for about two, for about two months. Um, no visits from family. Yeah. Um, and if you're doing there, it's like the visits on behind the glass. So I told my people, like, I'm straight. I'm right, right. See y'all. Yeah. Um, and even having to deal with that, you know, denying to see your people because you don't want to have them see you, like, in the cage like that, that was something else that hurt. But it's something that you have to deal with when you're in that situation. But the question that you asked was how did I make it through? You know, I made it through by keeping my focus on me coming out this, this situation on top. Yeah. Coming out the same with my sense of normalcy because I looked at it like, oh, these people are trying to make me lose my mind. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So even during quarantine, like you knew, like I need to come out of this situation on top. You feel I, what I'm saying? I already knew because if I didn't set my mind there, then it was the start of the journey. Yeah. And if I would have got lost in the start of the journey, I would have never made it back the same. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's valuable information right there. So let's get into your uh you so so you went when you was nineteen, so let's get into you actually growing up. Uh tell us about your family life. Talk to us like you don't know us. You know what I'm saying? Talk to us like you don't know like we know a lot about you and stuff like that, but like talk to us like you don't know us. So tell us about your family life and growing up in Angster and Detroit. Well, for me, um I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest brother on my mother's side. And me being the youngest, you know, uh, I always got mad love. But I come from a family of hustlers. And, um, you know, my mother was, you know, the main hustler of us all. And uh, my mother was a booster. 
you know, sold cocaine. You know, I grew up in an environment where hustle was, you know, was uh, life. Was a lifestyle for yeah. us. So I grew up watching, you know, my brother T Stucky, Mike, you know, all them basically coming up hustling, you know, balling in the streets. So all I knew growing up was, you know, the hustle, to find me some type of hustle. So even younger, you know, I started with hustling candy. I started with being a good kid on a basketball team. But eventually when things got hard, um, when my brother started to get incarcerated, um, when things wasn't right for my mother, I started hustling at a very young age. Now when you say a young age, what what, what are we talking? I mean, I started hustling about 11, 12 years old, yeah. like really selling rocks for real, like not, you know, playing with it, like really yeah. serving dope things. Yeah, yeah. So at this age, like where would you get rocks from? Like where do you, where do a 12-year-old get crack cocaine from? That And this is going to be the same for every major city. You feel what I'm saying? Like you, you say, I'm a hustler. The candy ain't working. My mom... Uh, fell ill or whatever happened because that's usually how it happened. The primary parent fall ill. I need some crack. Where, where do a 12-year-old get crack from? Well, you know, uh, you got, you know, the neighborhood drug dealers who just don't care but nothing about the money. Yeah. You know, they're not looking at this little boy who, yeah. you know, is a kid. You know, they looking at how much money this little boy about to pull out. Yeah. Or they going to give him some dope and tell him to come back. And we give you some more work when you bring that money back. Yeah. Some more dough. So yeah. it was just one of those things where I knew I couldn't go to certain homies, so I had to go outside the yeah, circle. Yeah. That that's what, that's what I'm asking. Brothers. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. to answer your question, I would have to go outside of the homies who knew my big brothers and them, but they was still around the way and knew who I was. Yeah. So I would go to them and, yo, I need some work, bro. And, you know, stuff like that be an ego thing because a nigga who know who your big brothers is know that they don't really want you doing that, but it be like, okay, I got T. Stucky, little brother, rolling for me. I got Mike, little brother, rolling for me. So when niggas do shit like that, to me that ain't real because you only doing that because of who you are. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they know the 12-year-old. Don't, now that we grown, we look at it different. Like, they know the 12-year-old don't need to be selling dope because if he was going to be selling dope, He'd be selling dope with his brothers. So they know they don't want you to do that. So it'd be like an ego thing. Like, yeah, that nigga ain't taking care of his people. He working for me. So you niggas be having to watch shit like that. So if there's any 12-year-olds listening and you forced to do that, because it'd be like niggas be forced to be put in them situations. Like, now that you grown and you look back, you like, I didn't have a choice. I'm 12 years old selling candy. I can't even get a real job. But I got to provide because now I'm the man of the house. So let's talk about your brothers. Uh, you had a, a, a situation where one brother was murdered and then one brother was incarcerated. So how did these things affect you? And at what point in your life did these things happen? Well, uh, you know, T. Stucky was still on the streets, but he was going back and forth to the feds. You know, he would be around, but he would be in Atlanta. He would be in the city. And then most of the time I spent time in Inkster. So my brother Mike, you know, he was like my father brother. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. When Mike got killed, I was 10 years old. So when Mike got killed, it, it really tore my core family up, you know what I'm saying? Like, family members start basically closet smoking, and, you know, I, when Mike died, you know, it, it really it really forced me in the streets because he was only, he was like my security blanket. So right. when Mike died, you know, I, I started wilding in school, being rebellious, you know, and um, from there it was like a spiral domino effect, and then... You know, seeing Stuck, it was like here and there, but he was going through stuff with the hook, you know, dodging the feds, whatever was going on with him. So I really didn't have time to spend time with my brother T. Stuck that much, but when he was there, he looked out for me. 
But my brother Sean is the one who grabbed me when I was 10 years old and um, made sure that I had some type of male figure. Right. Yeah. How, how much older is Sean than you? My brother Sean Blanche was uh, five years older than me. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, Yeah. so that's like similar to our situation because if you were on the camera, you probably could see my man just walked in. That's my brother, but that's like a father. You feel what I'm saying? It's fucked up, dog. Because that shit tear niggas apart. Do you feel me? That's why I'm crying because you ain't the only nigga who gonna be like a kid and they shit ripped apart. And it's just not her spiral. Because you might not have made it out that bitch, dog. You was 19, yeah. man. Anything could happen. You feel me? But it's mad niggas going through that. And you I need just, a minute, man? No. Because I've been thinking lately, like, man, we really be fucked up for no other reason than they want us fucked up. You yeah. feel me? Yeah, bro. I was listening to BG, because I love BG, but he's still fucked up. But he said, when my daddy got killed, that's think of when I went astray. But that's mad niggas. Because this shit worthless, bro. I had nobody, bro. You feel me? That shit worthless, man. So, so what actually led to prison? Because you said you did, uh, you got, you went to prison. What year did you go? Um, I went to prison in 2006. So what led to prison? Because like we said, we know you, so we, you just disappeared one day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like Because we actually from the same street, too. We from Williams. I seen you one day. I ain't seen you no more. Well, uh, what led to prison was I was serving um, off the cell phone and, um, you know, I basically uh, served. It was uh, undercover, and, yeah. um person that ended up turning to an informant, and uh, was there on the scene and um, got crazy. Like tried to rob us for some cane, dragged on the car, got the dumping, shooting at him, whatever, and then it all went crazy. It was like a drug deal turned into a robbery, bro. Yeah. Right, right. Now this that, was this in Anchor or was this in the city? Yeah, this was in the time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So after that happened, um, I, the police were still watching me. I didn't even know. And um, it was like a domino effect. Um, so I still was out there hustling, not knowing what was going on. And then one day they just vamped down on me. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. The raid van pulled up, right at the crib, took everything. You still had you know the saying? pistol? No. Okay. 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 So, boom! Now, now the raid van pull up. They take you. Now you know it go precinct, county. What was your lawyers like? Like, what type of lawyer did you have? Court appointments, or did you did you have enough money to even spend to get a lawyer? Yeah, I had a private attorney. My brothers them sent you know uh, lawyers for me. I had some money, but um, even in that, you know what I'm saying, I was supposed to get a lesser charge. You know, I was looking at it like a three to fifteen. Five to fifteen, you know, uh, the justices, man. It was really like, you know, ineffective as a counsel because my, my 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 lawyer the whole time, you know, telling me one thing, but he not letting me know that during the course of this, that witnesses was gonna be coming and it was gonna get heavier. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Instead of copping off, taking the three to fifteen or the five to fifteen, he like he's still playing to trial. right, yeah. still playing hardball. And that's how I end up. They shot it back up to 30 years, talking about life. Was your attorney black? Yeah, he was. He was black? Damn, Definitely man. was black. Yeah. I mean, but some of them niggas play for the money, too, though. You feel what I'm saying? Like, 
some of them niggas just got their best interest in mind with his money. And then if that's who your brother sent, they know who your brother is. They like, shit, we going to take this shit to trial. This might be a $40,000 boy for you. And they know your brother going to be like, all right, fuck it. You feel what I'm saying? Because it all depends on how you know these lawyers. You feel what I'm saying? And they be like, fuck it. Take them. They ain't go do a day in jail, nigga. They don't give a fuck what you get. They hope yeah. you go for the long run so you can do the appeal with them. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? And that, and that was the whole thing. Like, had me in there. So I ended up, they was talking about 25 years. I didn't take it. So then um, I told them, like, come on, man. You got to, I'm 19, man. <laughs> right, you got to yeah. get this down. You know what I'm saying? So work it down. You come back up to 12 to 20. And Ooh. you could have took a 3 to 15. Could have took a 3 to 15, man. My nigga Juvie say to niggas. You better take, take that, that five, because if you take that shit to trial, you feel what I'm saying? And, and, right. And then you thinking like, no, I got to pay the attorney. Because, I mean, I don't know how versed you was in the law at the time. You thinking the lawyer got your best interest in mind. I, he didn't. You feel what I'm saying? Because if you just told us all of what you did, and these nigga telling you not to cop two or three to 15, you can't have my best interest in mind. You feel what I'm saying? Because how long you was in the county? I was in the county like. Six to eight months fight. Yeah, so that would have went time. So a three to 15, take off the eight months. You feel what I'm saying? You probably would have did two and a half good time. You would have been home. Yeah. <laughs> you feel yeah, what I'm saying? Over parole for two years. I mean, 18 months. So let's, so you get convicted. You go to prison. What was your support like in prison? Um, my support my support was great. You know, and I think that's that's one of the main things that helped me sustain me in prison. Um to change my thoughts and my actions when I was in prison, my support system. You know what I'm saying? So when we talk about prison support, what 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 type of system did you have? Like moms, brother, uh yeah, my mom's, family, you my know. My mom's uh my mom's was there all the way through until she passed two thirteen. And then um my brother Sean though, he he was the most support, you know, he basically uh mentored me and kept me in the loop with things that was going on in the free world now. Um a lot of what was holding me back and what was challenging was when I was inside was the lack of technology and information. And that's what brothers struggle with and come out here lost. And they wonder why brothers be coming home and have no sense of direction on what's going on in the free world. Right, because a cell, uh, when you went to jail, there wasn't even no iPhones or no shit like that. So you come back, niggas is FaceTiming and shit like that. So imagine a nigga who been gone for 30 years. Right. Who ain't never really even seen a real computer. I had an Uncle Terry. This nigga did 25. He came home and couldn't phantom that the Comcast remote had more than the regular buttons when he left. You feel what I'm saying? He like, what, what is all bitches. of this? Yeah. Like, I, what you mean you could talk it to the, the TV remote? He bugged out. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Like, nigga, this bugged out. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? I could talk it to the remote and it changed the right channel. Up. And then he like, man, everything just moved so fast. Like, hey. it was moving too fast for him. Hey, listen, bro. But I see the car was bagged up. <laughs> when it was a, a, a monitor in the car watching me back up, I'm yeah. like, oh, this sweet as hell. Yeah, this shit is crazy. This shit, the Jetsons, man. Them bitches is flying for real. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's the Jetsons. You know what I'm saying? So you said oh, you was on your way to college before you actually went to prison. So you had, you know what I'm saying? Because we was always smart, but we was always in trouble. So I know what it's like to be like, damn, I blew this opportunity. So when you go to prison and you already got a peace of mind and you're already smart, you bumping into niggas who can't even read. Like, So how did you adjust to the fact that I'm talking to a nigga that's 40 years old probably and can't even read? Because I tell a quick story. Like I was in the county 
for like eight months or whatever. And when I was there, it was this young Southwest nigga, man, and this nigga was cool as hell. We would always talk, we would always kick it, and he would always ask for magazines and shit, you know what I'm saying? Because I had all the magazines and shit, so I would give him a magazine, but then when I talked to him about the articles, he would never know what the fuck I was talking about, you know what I'm saying? So I pulled, his t- pulled him to the side one day, like, bro, you can't read. And he was like, what? I was like, I know you can't read because you never know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this shit. So he like, man, how you figure that out? So we got to talking and shit, and I helped this nigga learn how to read, you know what I'm saying? Because he was like, bro, my homies don't even know because what's ever popular, I'm into. So it was Jabot at the time, I think. He said, when I go to the store, I don't got to know what Jabot say. When I go get something to eat, I don't got to know what McDonald's the menu say because I know... I get a Big Mac from McDonald's and a Whopper from Burger King, and that shit just hit me like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? We, I was 19, 20 at the time, so he had to be like 19, 20 at the time. And he like, bro, nobody ever even took the time to put that shit together because it ain't take me long because I'm like, bro, you never know what I'm talking about when I talk about the articles, you know what I'm saying? So I know you had to come across that. Like, how did that shit affect you? Like, So seeing that, um, basically, in an educated term, like, functional illiterates is what yeah. I was seeing. And it was like the system didn't really have options. They didn't have reading classes. They had tutors for a GED. And that's like far as it went. Um, one facility I went to had a college prep program that I ended up getting in. That was pretty good. That prepared you with some English and mathematics. But the tutoring styles of basic essentials, essentials that guys need, they really didn't have it. So down the line, I ended up, it's funny that you said reading because down the line, I ended up creating a, um, a book club workshop off my brother's book that I wrote in when I was inside. Um, how about that for a crack baby? Keys to Mentorship and Success by Sean Blanchard. I had like 20 guys in one room. And the thing about this, these guys had to read out loud. We read two chapters of class. And I had PowerPoints where we would stop and talk about what we just read for comprehension purposes. And I couldn't believe how many cats was dropping out the class because they couldn't read or was in the class. But couldn't comprehend? But couldn't comprehend or couldn't barely read but was trying. So I would pair them up with a team like, okay, help him if he can't really read. And then from that class, a lot of cats that couldn't hardly read fluently, by the end of the 90-day class, the cast was reading fluently because they was forced to read out loud. Yeah, and that's what it be because you, when you're reading out loud, you got to say the shit. When you're reading it in your head, you can skip over it if you don't know the syllables or whatever, and that's dope, man. And the reading comprehension is the real the real thing because even if you can read, if you can't comprehend, it's like not being able to read. If it's a when you get here, turn left and go two steps. If you don't comprehend what that say, you might turn right. You feel what I'm saying? So that's bigger than reading is reading comprehension. So talk more about the book that Sean wrote. Oh, man, this my brother book is like laugh aloud humor, man. It's, it's, it's definitely breaking down our background and our family culture, but also um, how my brother was able to emerge um, out of the streets, um, hustling himself and become an um, entrepreneur and um, a mentorship specialist. And by him doing these things, I learned a lot from him dealing with entrepreneurship and like being a mentor. Um, he was my first mentor. So I, I, I made a choice to continue to let myself be um, vulnerable enough to be mentored. Yeah. I had to stop making my own decisions and start being a student. 
Um, and once that happened, um, things became clear for me. But in his book, he has keys to mentorship. And a lot of times people read his book and take it as a hood novel. Um, it's pretty funny, but he has a lot of um, essential jewels and keys in there about, you know, entrepreneurship and mentorship. And his book breaks down, you know, phases about being unconscious, conscious, and creating consciousness in others. Right, right. Dealing with mentorship. We definitely go have him on uh, in the next couple of weeks, you know what I'm saying? We go bring you back, bring your nephew back, and bring him back. We definitely go have We actually thought you was bringing him, and you actually was, but yeah. whatever happened, yeah, happened. Yeah, so we definitely go bring him back on. But uh, let's talk about problems that you may have come across in prison. Because this is a life after felony, so, like, Prison is real. It motherfuckers really go to jail and don't come home. Motherfuckers really go to jail and turn into faggots. Motherfuckers really go to lose jail, lose their mind, get on them drugs, and then they just drop them back in society. Like we'll see you again. That's the mentality. Because if you haven't taught me anything, if you knew I didn't know shit when I came in, and niggas is lasting longer than ever in jail because this is where you go and you get healthy at. In a real sense, and then a nigga go. It's kind of like a shelter. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like is is school prepared you to go to jail? Everybody wear the same uniform. Everybody walk on the left side. Everybody get three meals a day. Look at the trays in school. Look at the trays in jail. You know what I'm saying? So it's really a prison, uh, a, a elementary to prison pipeline that people don't see in our communities. And then you go and you like, but well, I got some sense about myself. I'm just trying to provide for my mother because. All crime. It is some niggas in there that deserve to be in there. You fucking with kids or you doing some yeah. bullshit ass, you know what I'm saying? Some bullshit ass crimes that ain't about advancement. Like, right. just because I sell crack or I sold weed as a kid don't mean I'm a bad person because your circumstances was this. Our circumstances were similar. We from the same city. We from, we literally from the same street. We right. from Williams, you from Williams. So you closer to the Saigon end, so we know it's popping on your end. You know what I'm saying? We down on this end. So we got all these different, we could go right across the uh, road and fuck around. It all started on Colgate, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. We started on Spruce. Right up. Spruce and Annapolis. And then my grandma lived on Annapolis 100 years, you know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm saying. We know how the circumstances is. So you get there and you seeing all this crazy shit. Like, how you really feel? Like, was you disappointed in yourself or did you feel like, this is a part of the game. Because it is. Because, like, I mean, I most definitely was disappointed in, you know, that I was on my way to college and I still was dealing with that. I had to make those choices to provide for myself. I was disappointed in the situation. But actually, I took prison and I flipped it around for myself. You know, prison can be your graveyard or your university. You know, and I chose to make it my university. Right. You know, if you utilize the time, you know, with all that time and with all the creative talent that's in prison, you got a lot of cats around you who are the most articulate, who are the most creative. So I started to, you know, build with brothers, you know, five percenters and the guys. That's, you know, they real intellectual. Them, them brothers is who are in the nation, nation of Islam, is who I dealt with the most. Cause them brothers sharp. So I say, hmm. Remind me of my brother Sean. You know, these cats smooth. You know, as far as really building and learning and advancing. So those are the type of things that I try to put myself around so I can discipline my mind to do something better. Right, right. So you can do something better. And we are doing something better. So uh, before we get into everything you're doing now, we talked about your first night in prison. Talk about your last night in prison. Uh, 
my last night in prison. I couldn't night. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So before we even get to the last night, right? So like, like going up for parole. How I felt. Okay, yeah. Talk about the 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 night before you went up for parole, and then the night you the last night you knew that that was your last night in prison. I got you. Um, because by this time you had been in jail how long? When you first when I, were, when I seen parole, I was in jail like eleven, like. You go see them six months before your out day. So I'm in, in prison like 11 years and six months. Okay. So going up for parole was a nervous situation because it's determining whether I'm going to come back to society or not. So for me, I pretty much felt like, you know, my behavior hack, you know, was pretty fair. My record was pretty good. Um but it still was that nervousness because because it's ultimately somebody, somebody else telling somebody you. else decision. Yeah. But a lot of times they can give you a flop, which is they extend your sentence because it's a tale. They can extend the sentence. How you doing? Twenty four more months, twelve months, just because a CO said you you didn't follow a direction. You right. know they can they can look at that and say, well, we're gonna sit you down for twelve more months. So. Or they can just say, you know what, uh, he's, we feel that you're uh, a menace to society, you know, and that can just be their reason. And don't have to give no explanation and just say, you're not, uh, we're going to give you a continuance, you know. So, you know, and knowing that that could be the case, and I've seen brothers go through that, you know, it was some nervousness. But one thing for sure, you know, all things be to God, man. I knew that um, from the work that I had been putting in, um, especially with the youth and pouring into them young brothers, helping young brothers get out, go to college, even to earn degrees in there. Um, I knew that I had a greater purpose on the other side. I knew it was my time. You right. know? So I felt good. My brother was there front and center for me. So how did that um, work? People could actually come and speak on your yeah. behalf and people could come and speak on the victim's behalf. Like right. Set up the scene for somebody okay. who's never been in, 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 the, in this situation. Well, at the parole board hearing, you, know, you can have one representative – um, your wife found or immediate family, um, and my brother showed up for me, and none of the victim came. None of the victims people had uh, made a choice to come to my parole hearing. Um, I guess they had got some type of notice about you know that my record was good in prison, and you know they was just like they ain't had no comment. So it all turned out blessed, you know, for me in that instance, and um, you know. The parole lady, she just was like, you know, Doug, you doing great things, doing good, just stay away from guns. So I knew I had it when she kept saying stay away from guns. Yeah. So even with that, though, it's a challenge even with – I ain't going to skip past, but I do want to say this. They had you sign a gun law, and with the gun law, if I'm even around a pistol, you know what I'm saying, I can get five years or be facing five years to go back to prison. So, you know – a guy have to really walk a thin line and be focused, man, when he come out of the penitentiary, man, because it's set up for a brother to go back to the prison. Right, because I don't feel like since I'm a uh, since I'm a since I've been in trouble that I still shouldn't be able to protect myself. That's what I don't understand about a gun law. I mean, like that's my constitutional right to protect myself, and they they do make you sign that, and you can't be in. They say even with a water gun, they say shit like that. But my nigga, I got kids. I buy water, like you know what I'm saying, but. As a father, as a, as a husband, I shouldn't be able to protect myself against the criminal element because I've been to prison. That's totally backwards to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that makes no sense. And then, my nigga, if I could go get a legal gun, I would do it legally. I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? But what I will say to that, you know, 
now that I am more in tune with politics and things that's going on. When I was a youngster, I didn't even care about none of that. But yeah. now, today, I will say, you know, uh, these legislators and uh, voting is important now, you know, for those who don't have felonies and those that well, can vote. In Michigan, you can vote with a felony. Oh, and, well, yeah. like me, because yeah. I thought I was you, No, you can vote with a felony in Michigan. Sure. You can vote while you're on parole or probation in Michigan, but that's what people think. You you a felon, you can't. Matter of fact, in like 36 states, you can vote with a felony. You feel so, what I'm saying? Michigan, one of them. So if you was registered, you probably missed a registration deadline. You would have been able to vote. No, but you just went and got your license, right? Right. They should have registered you to vote. vote. That registered okay. you to yeah, vote. They yeah. supposed to register you to vote when you get your license. So my thing is, I, I didn't even know that I could, but to those that, you know, sit on the couch and don't vote, these are the type of things we got to get out and vote about. You know, that gun law stuff need to be out of there. Just yeah. certain stuff about felons, they making it harder. So we have to vote, you know what I'm saying, that battle. And vote... Uh, I don't endorse no party. I ain't no Democrat or no Republican. Democrats have had black people in the worst situations in America since slavery. I voted democratically when I didn't know no better. You feel what I'm saying? Because I was feeling like I'm black. I'm from the inner city. I should be a Democrat. But I'm not afraid to say that my best years of having the best financial years of my life actually came starting with George Bush, his first term. You see what I'm saying? So I found out it don't matter who in office. I'm not for good social services. Social services make you lazier. Social services take the black man out the house. Who well, get the most food stamps? Women with no black male in the house. When I'm saying that, if we can vote for certain laws. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying because people think when you're black the, and you the, say the vote, right, we just got to get the right people in there who, who do the, for the legislation. Right. You feel what I'm saying? We got to introduce these bills and these laws to take that. Just like I was telling uh, my partner and them before we press record, I'm actually not for legal marijuana because marijuana being legalized not gonna help us until you free all the brothers who in jail just for selling marijuana why would i want marijuana to be free it's never gonna be a black face to face illegal marijuana it's gonna be big business then it's gonna be white people then it's gonna be mexicans Chaldeans, arabs and we still at the bottom right. so why would i want legalized marijuana i don't give a fuck if you black and work in a dispensary fuck that shit if we don't own that shit i don't want it legal period because I went to, I, I got caught up because of weed. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Right. I feel so that. fuck all that shit. You feel what I'm saying? Because it's not in our favor. Mm-hmm. When shit get to tipping in black people's favor, for the most part, then I'm with it. That's what it is. Yeah, because marijuana, uh, the company's about to stop making cigarettes. So all them tobacco farms and shit, they about to turn that shit. So niggas don't got a chance in that shit. Because if I got five grow houses and they growing fucking weed in Colombia, like Canada just invested in land in Colombia to grow marijuana. Niggas don't stand no chance with these five, six grow houses illegally that they running, a couple that they running. And niggas don't own the dispensaries, bro. They working for them Chaldeans or they working for them Arabs, bro. Like, niggas got to be for real with they self. Like, you're not they partner. You they fall guy because if the feds come in, it's on you. You know what I'm saying? Because right. it's still not legal everywhere. So niggas got to quit fronting, bro. Get your own, bro. Sell products that's connected to marijuana. You don't even got to sell marijuana. If it's going to be a legal marijuana business, like, you got to sell, like me and Dog was just talking about, you got to sell products that's connected to it. Because the weed go sell. It's going to be like Walmart. You're going to be able to buy, walk in Walmart and buy, uh, like, you buy cigarettes. You're going to be able to buy some weed, which is going to fuck it up because they're going to be putting right. all them chemicals Taxes, and shit. But that's going back to voting. But let's get back to your first, your last night after you knew you granted, got granted parole. My last night after I knew I got granted parole. No, no, your last night in prison. Your last night in prison. Like, you I'm know a, you got parole. Right, I'm, I'm waking up tomorrow. Man. I'm going hey, to yo, fuck home. Hey, yo, yo. <laughs> I, I, call, I call my brother. You know, he's so hype. You know what I'm saying? And, and 
actually, I, I couldn't sleep at all. I had to get some coffee. I'm, I'm, I, the office on Thursday. So I say, man, don't mind me. I ain't going in the cell tonight. I'm, I'm walking around. I'm, I done took a shower. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm out of, <laughs> man, what? So, you know, and not only that, I was excited because I actually, um, while I was inside, I had connected with a brother. Um, I definitely got to get a shock out, shout out to Shaka Sojourner, man. He, um, yeah, yeah, real, real guy, real guy, man. He, he definitely, um, has been my mentor through my incarceration, um, dealing with giving me positive advice with me working with the youth on the inside, running programs, and also, um, as a, a writing literacy expert, man, he, you know, was giving me tips on how to complete my book. And um, now, what's actually, crazy is when you talk about him, like y'all crime is like very, very similar. Like it's, it it's strikingly similar. The it only is. difference might be like yours had a car involved and his didn't. Right. You feel what I'm saying? So I felt like that's like divine intervention. You feel what I'm yeah, saying? Right up. And also, so from on the inside, um, he had to wear uh, I had did the um the casting to be on a uh, TV show on the Open Winfrey Network. Yeah. Um show called Released. And um uh, I actually watched that show. They want he me and my brother doing it right now. Yeah. And um it's gonna be airing probably sometime next year, but um it's showing my progression, life after incarceration. And um they following me, showing, you know, me getting to it and doing what I said I was gonna do, right. holding to my word as a black man, and me holding to my word and myself, giving back to those youth, going to, um, you know, work with them and speak to them. You know, now I'm speaking all over Michigan. I can't leave yet, but I done been to Wayne State, all type of colleges. Um, me and my brother Sean. Um, now I'm also going into the juvenile detention centers um, because my title is, and when I had earned a degree. Um, is a youth deterrent specialist, you know. And my thing is, I'm trying to deter the youth from being from being me, school right, to prison right. pipeline, right? And deter them from going straight out of high school, straight to prison, you know. Right. Instead of having a roommate in college, I end up having a roommate in prison. Right. And if I can stop some other young kid from doing that, you know, that's my part, and that's that's my thing. So, I um just want to definitely salute our shocker man because, you know, that's a that's a busy brother. But he still took out the time to, you know, um, you know, put money on the phone, you know, call him, and to make sure that I had the necessary tools that he can afford me through knowledge to apply myself while I was on the inside to, you know, continue my great work, the work that we're doing. All right. All right. So, boom, your first day out. It's the first thing you go get to eat. <coughs> oh, man. Um, first day out, well, I, I kind of went on a detour. I had this thing in my head. You know, it was a gas station down the street from the prison. And my brother, like, bro, you, he like, where you want to go? I say, bro, just take me to the G station. He said, the G station? Like, what the fuck? That's where you want to go, bro? <laughs> I was like, yeah, just just take me to the G. But, you know, why? He, he, I, don't even, I still don't think he know my reason and my purpose behind saying I wanted to go to the G station. I'm all on the gram in the gas station. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because... The reason I wanted to go to the gas station is because I knew this was going to be the first, the quickest, first store that I can go freely buy. Yeah, some with yeah, some money on yeah, my pocket, yeah. myself. Nobody telling me limited items, what I can get. I knew I knew it was a gas station right there. I knew it was a gas station. <laughs> I say, man, shoot me to the G station. So I never told him or whatever. So I go in there. I bought like three million sticks of gum. 
<laughs> uh, Slurpees. I'm going through the aisles getting just candy. I'm buying all type of garbage, man, and uh, they in there cracking up. You know what I'm saying? They like, bro, he going crazy. Right, right. So when I looked up, I said, man, yo, bro, it's a flat screen TV in the G station. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, these want to hear when I left, bro. He like, hell no. I'm like, it looks like a sports bar in a gas station. Yeah. So they was cracking up off that. But the first thing that I did to answer the question, though, the first real food I ate was like a chicken uh, quesadilla at some restaurant downtown. That's what's up. That's what's up. So let's talk about reading while you was in prison. What's the first book that you read while you was in prison? Um, the first book that I read when I was in prison, um, besides the Bible, was um, the first book that I read. Um, actually, the first book that I read was like, it was a hood novel. It was like Sister Soldier or something. The Coldest One Ever? Yeah. Yeah, Coldest One Like the ever. first book of old school cats. Like, hey, read this, young blood. So I read it or whatnot. And uh, I was burnt on the hood novels for a minute. Them you know shits is all exactly the same. Hey, it, <laughs> hey, look, the dope man, the, the whole boss yeah, life, you know yeah, what I'm saying? that shit is exactly but the same. But they was like little movies to escape. Yeah. And I know why I had gotten to the hood novel so much because the art of writing and taking you to a place and imagination was like, it was just like using the phone to escape the reality. All I had was reading, writing, and, and the phone, right. you know what I'm saying, or music. Right. So did you uh did you read the autobiography of Malcolm X while you was in prison? I definitely did. I definitely honor and look up to that brother. Um, I, like I said, I studied with you know what I'm saying the nation of Islam five percent. So I definitely read his book. So you know that he from the turf. You know that he lived. Oh, he from yeah. the time. Yeah, he yeah. stayed on Williams. Yeah, yeah. On the other end, <laughs> right? You know right, his last right. name, Little though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think if that if you would have read the autobiography of Malcolm X before you went to prison, it would have helped you? Nothing wouldn't have slowed me down, bro. Malcolm wouldn't save me. You know what I'm saying? Because I would have been on the El Dorado Red. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? At that point, I was in the mud. It, I just like you know in the story when. Elijah Muhammad tell him, you know, your mud is to your eyes and you got to come out of the mud. You know, it's like the means to survive or to do for myself was all that I seen in that, that survival mode. So, you know, that type of information would have been going one ear out the other more than likely because. Because you wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. My mind wasn't even exposed to that. Okay, so you now you actually mentioned that you were a writer also, right? right. You got a book ready to come out or is it out already? No, it's uh, it's gonna drop when the show is done, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna drop the very it, next day. I'll probably drop it that day or the next day. Um, yeah. I'm working on getting that all together now with you know our team or whatever. And I I'm like that show, man. That. But the thing about that show is like, I could tell right away if a motherfucker going back to jail, bro. You feel what I'm saying? I mean, it'd be grandmas on there. One lady was a grandma. They just certain motherfuckers just don't take it serious. You feel what I'm saying? It was a brother from North Carolina. Like I watched it, but a lot of motherfuckers just still don't got plans. You feel what I'm saying? And then a big part of the problem is a lot of motherfuckers got to go, for the most part, back exactly where the crime took place or some shit. Like I think my man in North Carolina, like some shit happened like right in front of his house or right at his house or some shit, if I'm mistaken, or around the corner. He had to go right back to that place. You feel what I'm saying? So he can't even fathom even being out of jail, but then every time he walked to the store, the same shit go play in his head. You feel what I'm saying? Like, damn, dog, I just was, I've been in jail for 20 years, but 
Ancient I'm out Chinese. the same yeah. day, living the same day. So what's the name of the book? Or can you say the name of the book right now? Uh, can't say the name of the book right now. Yeah. yeah right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's dealing with, um, you know, my life on the street, my life in incarceration. And it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a compilation though. I will say this: I'm gonna have stories from other brothers that actually did time with me, featuring in the book with me. Right, right. Because I want to unleash some um, some untold stories, the untold truth behind the scenes. It's a lot of uh, wrongful conviction, brothers. I got a few cats, man. Stories is like unbelievable, and and these brothers don't have the finances to, you know, pay for no appeal, no lawyers. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, I, I, bro. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can. Get, we Write this short story, man. I'm, I'm going to put it in my book, you know, and um, I want to create, you know, a different type of book to where people can really understand um, behind the scenes. You know, Shaka illustrated, you know, the, the life of incarceration from a great perspective, um, but I want to use the actual voices of the men. Right. Have you ever read any, um, you read Geronimo Pratt book or any Tukey Williams books? Yeah, Tukey. Yeah, yeah. Read Geronimo Pratt book though. Like his his, okay. his life story. Basically, man, the nigga. You know who Geronimo Pratt is? No. And Geronimo Pratt when, when Pac went to live in uh, California, with the, his mother was living with Geronimo Pratt's wife to help get Geronimo Pratt out of jail. He was like one of the most active Panthers in the history oh, yeah, of the Black Panthers. Yeah, yeah. So he actually came from I think Mississippi or Alabama. He he went to California to help out, bro, and ended up in prison. So if he was in prison for 25 years, he probably was in California for 24 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Johnny Cochran was his attorney, and that's who helped well, him out. Well, if job. he was in prison for 25 years, he definitely couldn't have been in California no, no, I mean, for 24 20, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, his whole time in California, he was, was in prison. Jail. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But his book, man, his shit And Johnny big. Cochran got him out of jail. Yeah. Johnny Cochran was his lawyer at the beginning, and he said... If there's anything I'm going to do before I die, I'm going to get, get you, you out, out of jail. jail. Nah, mm-hmm. 25 years passed before that time, but Johnny Cocker actually held true to his word. And well, he wasn't his attorney at the beginning. People a, pulled on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But he was wrongfully convicted. You know what I'm saying? But he was on some Panther shit. But right. that's a book to uh, read. Because we some avid readers, too, man. Like, Tukey got a book about being on death row. Yo, that yeah. shit is graphic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that... Kids read that shit, they won't want to do no crime. Motherfuckers won't even want to cross the street. You feel what I'm saying? Like, Yo, Shaka book like that, too, Yeah, yeah, man. I read Shaka shit, too. Right, yeah. my lawn's a bad yeah, joint. Yeah, I love a, that book, bro. Yeah, I fuck yeah. with that, too. That's a movie. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that, that's a movie. So is your book coming out self-published, or you got some you got some fire yeah, behind we, you? Yeah, we definitely going to. Uh, my fire behind me is self-published. Well, it's, it's through uh, Lion's Dream, my brother's publisher. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sean have his own. So we on the whole entrepreneur joint. I'm Lion's Dream, too. You know, I'm going to drop my own publishing company. That's my vision. Yeah. Um, but my publishing company, I want it strictly for the incarcerated because it's a lot of dope writers um, that can't get their, their work out here. Yeah. So I want to come with a publishing company through Lion's Dream strictly for the incarcerated. Man, we helped a nigga with a book in jail before, man. That nigga was the most difficult person I ever worked with in my fucking life, dog. You feel what I'm saying? And the nigga told us, uh, what's my partner's name? Then who who wrote the book? He sold a hundred thousand books independent. You know my man who was teaching us about the book because we beat him with that bet. But he told us he said, "Man, it's two types of niggas in prison, and you just hope 
that the one you go work with ain't this type. He ended up being that type, man. And I guess he just was wanting to move too fast. And it's like, that's yeah. that's just not how it worked, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you sending me a book that's written out. Like, I have to find somebody to type Sign this. It, right. Then I got to find a real book editor. I mean, we end up doing it and shit. But that nigga was like, that, I said, I ain't helping the nigga do shit no more. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, a, a lot of times, the reason why I could say... Um, like right now, I got cats calling me from the joint, man, and you know, put some money on the phone, bro. Uh, you know, I I I do it, but you know, uh, shoot over here, shoot over there. Yeah, and jail nigga got a list. I for need you. eight secure packs. Like, yo, yeah. bro, uh, I'm working eight jobs. Like, bro, I don't have time to do all this. You got to get you a chicken, something. What, right? What yeah, a nigga from jail call with a list, even if it's your nigga, you love him to death. Yeah. But by I, the time he talked to you, he got a list of shit that you have to do now. Like, dog, it's Monday at 6 o'clock in the morning when you sending this motherfucking thing. <laughs> you, you hit me back 12 hours later, yeah. dog. And I, yeah, I assist niggas if, it's, if it, it can help your cause get out of jail. Like, I help, I help my partner get back from the feds before. You feel what I'm saying? Like, they was, like, playing with him on the parole. Like, I definitely helped him and get, got the information and shit to his people. And all they had to do was take it and file it. But then sometimes I just be like, look, man. I'm gonna do certain shit, but it's a lot of shit I ain't doing because I'm besides being an adult, like I got my own family and shit. I got to do my own shit, right. and there's no disrespect, but I only right. fuck with niggas who in jail who I fucked with on the outside. Right. So, and all my niggas doing like stretches. You, yeah. you feel what right. I'm saying? Yeah, like stretches. So, if he called me and asking me to do something, I know he really need, need me to no, do no. something. You feel what I'm saying? And I got a few cats that I rock with, man. Like, but that's I wanted to mention something you said about the cat with the book. Like, um, I got one cat, I got his book or whatnot, and it's like sometimes when cats be in there, they be thinking because of the access of being free, it's like everything is now, now, now. This nigga free. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So everything is gonna happen now, and you just thinking too much because it's it, you in there. You imagining what what I'm doing. You <laughs> right, know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you like, this nigga bullshit. But his book was actually a cold-ass book. It was not a hood novel. It was actually like a science fiction novel. Yeah, the book was cold the as hell. shit was cold as hell. And it was like how AIDS started. And, oh, it was cold as fuck, bro. It was a novel, country, bro. bro. That shit was yeah. all cold. But it's just like... It just was like, man, listen, man, let me work, bro. Like, the, all you got to do is make sure your people got the money for shit you got to pay for. Because I ain't paying for shit. Because I don't got, I'm just, let me work. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So, look, man, we appreciate you, bro. Tell the people how they can get at you online. Oh, man, you can reach me on Instagram at Doug D. Little. You know what I'm saying? On there. Uh, just uh, inbox me, DM me on there on the gram. And I'll get back with you. Yeah, oh, okay. okay, one more thing. What's the foundation that you starting to help the youth? Uh, my foundation is called Incarcerated Voices. Um, so I'm starting that, and um, I'm working now with a few uh, judges in the city, um, and I'm also working with the anti-bullying crusaders. I'm also um, yeah, I just seen you talking at a high school or something. Yeah, I just was at King High School with the anti-bullying crusaders, uh, Lori Washington. Actually, um, her dad is on the inside, and this cat created that program from the inside. So his brother's in there moving and working. Yeah, she's yeah. running, she's the legs, but he created the curriculum. He created everything. Um, and I work hand in hand with them, so now I'm also looking to, you know, go on with this anti-bullying crusaders, and put the mentorship that I do and that my brother Sean do. We're gonna, we're gonna put this thing together and we're gonna powerhouse it, man. And we're gonna get more sponsors to get behind this, man. And definitely reach out to me, you know, so we can save our youth.
Right, and you definitely got our support 100% coming to talk to the kids, whatever, whatever you need. You already know. We definitely go have your brother and nephew back in a couple weeks, you know, For come sure. back and we could yeah, get we put it together. Yeah. We put, yeah, we put that together in a little while. But, like, uh, if you want to get at us, it's TCE Pie across uh, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, all yeah. of that. Uh, if you want to come on the show, you want to advertise, you can hit us at PR at TCOHH.org, PR at TCOHH.org. And I, I want, want for my brother, brother what I want, I want for myself. myself.